There is so much he didn't know. The man born blind didn't know where he would get his next meal. The unsteady flow of coins dropped into his cup wasn't much to bank on. This man born blind didn't know when he would next get hassled by the soldiers at the city's gate. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, he would be told to beat it so that the royal governor passing by wouldn't have any unwashed masses sullying his view. The man didn't know any truth at all, apart from, from the laws of survival. The Pharisees, too, who twice questioned the man born blind after Jesus heals him on the Sabbath, there's so much they don't know. The Pharisees didn't know whether their populist program of purity and piety really would elevate the spiritual status of the people of Israel. The Pharisees didn't know whether their loyalty to the law of Moses really would save them from the exploitation of their Roman occupiers. Like the man born blind, they didn't know any way of being that was not fixated on survival. Some 2,000 years after those uncertain days in Jerusalem, we to find ourselves in a time of uncertainty, a time of not knowing, don't we? We don't know for sure how long the COVID-19 outbreak will last. We don't know just how hard it will hit folks who are especially susceptible to infection. We don't know how damaging it will be to our financial security, we don't know how to manage the new normal of childcare and work balance. We don't know just how this virus will affect our health and the health of people we love. Now we can, we can surely trust and listen to the scientists and the public health workers who are encouraging precautions to slow the spread of this virus so as not to overwhelm our first responders and medical personnel. That we can do. And yet, we don't know what the next week, the next month, the next year will look like. There is so much we don't know. And in times like this, in times of not knowing, our humanness is staring us in the face. Visions of drive-through COVID-19 testing clinics that look like hazmat sites. Visions of empty streets in Boston, like in Italy. Visions of barren grocery store shelves with slim and many pickings left. Even as we take appropriate precautions, sites like these Remind us of all we do not know, all we cannot control. We are only human, after all, and we are vulnerable to sickness and to fear. This humanness, this 
vulnerability, this powerlessness, it has always been there. Often, though, it's not until an illness sets in or an addiction takes root or a loved one dies or a pandemic hits that we can really, truly see it. As it is now, so it was then. Vulnerability as a way of opening our eyes. Picture that moment when sight was restored in today's story. It's a Sabbath day, and breaking all the rules that were meant to order his people's lives, Jesus stoops down before the man born blind. Jesus spits on the ground, gets his hands dirty, mixing up that saliva and dust together into a muddy paste, and then applies that mud to the man's eyes. Now, I think we can all agree that this spitting and mud-smearing business does not meet the standard for social distancing. And yet, it is an act of profound vulnerability. For Jesus, who touches this untouchable man, and for the man himself, whose eyes are covered with the dust from which we all come, mixed with God's own spit. In that moment, the waters shimmer, and the clay dances, and the light of the world shines, and we witness a new creation. I once was blind, but now I see. And out of that mess comes mystery. In the midst of all the fear, all the not knowing, the Pharisees zero in on this man and grill him about his newfound sight and the prophet who worked this astonishing wonder. There is so much the Pharisees don't know about this prophet named Jesus. He messes with their tidy formula for survival. Obey the law that you may live and be blessed by God. And yet, here's Jesus. Here he is, this outlaw who heals on the Sabbath with apparently divine authority. The Pharisees can't tolerate that mystery. And so they do what humans so often do in fearful times when our vulnerability is exposed. They blame and they shame and they attack and they exclude. People we don't understand become sinners. People who migrate in search of safety become intruders. A deadly virus that originates beyond U.S. borders gets labeled Chinese, slurring an entire ethnic group, a billion-plus people who are human, just like we are. It's a tried-and-true strategy, the oldest trick in the book. The Pharisees try to pit the newly sighted man against the one who healed him. Give glory to God, they say, and call that guy over there a sinner. You just know he is. But the newly sighted man, 
He refuses to play this most dangerous game of survival, scapegoating. His response, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. The Pharisees, oh, they continue to interrogate the man who holds fast to this truth. And then they drive him out, calling him a sinner too. Jesus seeks out that man and receives this newly sighted man and welcomes him into a new community, just like he welcomes us. Jesus doesn't promise to deliver us or him from vulnerability or pain. Jesus promises to be with us in our vulnerability and our pain. And when we allow the messiness of our human limitations to dissolve into the mystery of not knowing, we can participate with Jesus in God's new creation. I invite you to join me now in a spiritual practice modeled after the faithful testimony of this man born blind. This is a practice of radical trust and bold proclamation. It is a practice that we can turn to when we feel depressed or anxious, when we feel lost or scared, when there's so, so much we do not know. So there are three parts to this practice, and we can try it out right now. First, we can start by taking a deep breath, remembering the Spirit who bears us up, baptized as we are into hope. Please, will you, will you take a deep breath with me? And another. Second, we can admit that our we can admit our not knowing by saying to ourselves, I don't know what's going to happen next. It's true. Much as we may get stuck in anxious spirals. Lost in worry, none of us knows what the future holds. <clears throat> Say that to yourself now if you wish. I don't know what's going to happen next. So, first, we breathe. Second, we admit that we don't know. And third and last, we proclaim what we do know. Not from a place of fear, but from a place of love. We can say to ourselves, one thing I do know, dot, dot, dot. Now, beloved ones of God, I can't tell you how to finish that sentence. That is the stuff of testimony. It is the stuff of your conversion story, and only you and fill in the blank. So I invite you to ponder this. 
I invite you to reflect on a moment when the Holy One stooped to save you. I invite you to remember a time when you felt the waters shiver and the clay dance and the light of the world shone on you and you witnessed a new creation. Maybe it was a moment that happened here in the community of this congregation. Maybe, maybe it was a moment of birth, of reconciliation, of second chances. A moment of profound peace, connection, joy. Take them just a little time now and see if you can recall such a moment. And, and picture it. Picture it in your mind's eye. experience of this moment, I invite you to name what is true for you. What do you know about love in the face of fear? What do you know about community in the face of separation? What do you know about healing in the face of brokenness? What do you know about hope in the face of despair? Breathe in, and breathe out, and breathe through the truth of your experience. Now, I'll go first. I've had a little bit of time to think about my truth, about what I do know. And I'll walk through the practice with you. Again, it's one, breathe. Two, admit that you don't know what will happen next. Three, Proclaim what you do know. I don't know what's going to happen next. One thing I do know, God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I don't know what's going to happen next. One thing I do know, God's love is way, way more powerful than my ability to become worthy of it. I don't know what's going to happen next. One thing I do know, I have seen the face of God in your faces, people of First Congregational Church in Galatia. I don't know what's going to happen next. One thing I do know, we together have planted seeds that one day will grow. I don't know what's going to happen next. One thing I do know, nothing we ever do is complete. 
That allows God's grace to enter in and do the rest. I don't know what's going to happen next. One thing I do know. I love you. And God loves you. And nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. Nothing. Breathe. Admit that you don't know. And then proclaim. Proclaim what you do know. Beloved ones of God, even and especially now, the waters shimmer and the clay dances and the light of the world shines. A new creation is on its way. And so, in this time of imperfect goodbyes and unprecedented precautions, may we allow the messiness of this world to touch us tenderly. May our vulnerability open our eyes to the mystery of God's enfolding love. May we breathe together Knit our hearts together across time and distance and proclaim what we do know to the glory of God.